is the only bank devoted exclusively to entrepreneurs, and we're committed to the success of women entrepreneurs and majority women-owned companies across Canada. As a proud partner of the Thrive Podcast, we're here to help you start, grow, or scale your business. Find out more at bdc.ca forward slash women today. Scotiabank is proud to co-present the Thrive Podcast for Women Entrepreneurs. Through the Scotiabank Women Initiative, Scotiabank aims to help advance women-led businesses with access to capital, education, and mentorship. To learn more, visit scotiabankwomeninitiative.com. You got into business to pursue your passion, not to worry about insurance. But the reality is every business faces risks and you need to make sure that your business is protected. Insurance doesn't have to be complicated and learning some basic risk mitigation principles like how to develop a business continuity plan can go a long way. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools. Visit sovereigninsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. You're listening to The Thrive Podcast on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. On the Thrive Podcast, we connect you with leading experts, entrepreneurs, and organizations that provide capital, mentorship, training, tools, and other support to help you make your vision a reality even faster. This podcast is presented in partnership with Business Development Bank of Canada and Scotiabank. Make your way over to startupcan.ca forward slash podcasts to subscribe to the Thrive community. And subscribe to listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. Finally, we'd love for you to rate this podcast and leave a review on iTunes for the chance to have it read on air. We want these shows to impact as many people as possible, and your reviews will help us get there. I'm your host, Gomal Minhas, founder of CoreSpace, your one-stop shop for all things work, wellness, and impact. Visit kaur.space to find out more. I'm also the producer of Dream Girl, the documentary film showcasing the lives of inspiring and ambitious female entrepreneurs that we premiered at the Obama White House. I'm so happy to be here today. Welcome to the show. We're so excited to have Katie Miller on the Thrive Podcast today. Katie Miller is the Managing Director at Impact Hub Ottawa, a collaborative co-working space and community that inspires, connects, and enables people working to solve the world's challenges, big and small. Part of a global network of over 100 Impact Hubs and 16,000 members, Impact Hub represents the largest network of social innovators in the world. Being with the organization since 2012, Katie has led their growth locally to 300 members and supported thousands of individuals and entrepreneurs to do good better. Katie is also part of the Global Responsible Leaders Network of the BMW Foundation, board member at Just Change Ottawa, and a recipient of Ottawa's Entrepreneurial Rising Star. Katie's passionate about social impact entrepreneurship and businesses that do good. Katie's also a board member and chair at the Impact Hub Global Association, leading the do good movement globally. Katie has worked with Ottawa's Ambitious, working to empower girls and equip them with what they need to be ambitious leaders. Katie has worked with Ottawa's Ambitious, working to empower girls and equip them with what they need to be ambitious leaders. Welcome to the show, Katie. 
This is wonderful because Katie and I had the opportunity to work together seven years ago. So I got to see her brilliance up close and personal, but we were also just reflecting on how quickly seven years can go by. So much has changed for you, Katie, in these last seven years. But before we get into the thick of all the things at Impact Hub, I'd love to hear about how you ended up at the Impact Hub in the first place. Yeah, so that was a a journey, as mentioned, that started about seven years ago. Um, I was pretty fresh out of school. Um, studying international business, but really had an interest in seeing how um, I could apply some of these business skills I was learning to um, social issues that I was seeing in our community. And originally that started with an interest in international development, but the more I explored that, I realized we have so many issues right here at home. I really wanted to get engaged with the local um, community and just by happenstance in an event, um, met with one of the founders of Impact Hub Ottawa. Um, they were just in the thick of bringing this to Ottawa. They were, you know, building community, trying to find a space. Um, And it took me a while to actually then get to the physical space. But the first time I did, I immediately fell in love with it. Um, As soon as I got there, I knew this was a place I wanted to be and needed to be um, and was so excited about all of the amazing people that were there and the opportunity to not just work on one thing, but to be able to really work um, in supporting all of these individuals that were working across an array of issues. I think I definitely felt that um, starting my own initiative or something, I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. And there are so many people already doing amazing things and the opportunity that there is in bringing people together to find opportunities to collaborate was really powerful. So when you first joined the hub, what capacity were you there in and how did that role develop over time? Yeah, so I actually started as a volunteer um, in their pilot phase, um, just you know hosting individuals, welcoming into the space, uh, hosting our weekly wind downs and some of our programs, and then that kind of morphed into a bit more responsibilities part time, taking over our space rentals, and I was kind of doing this on the side while I had another full time <laughs> job. I was getting more and more excited about this space, um, and then eventually that turned into me being their kind of first employee um, full time. And my first day was our uh, ribbon cutting with the mayor, so we started fresh in the morning with the ribbon cutting with Watson, because Watson's still there, and was still there at the time, um, and then ended the night with a big party to kick off the, uh, the, the space officially. That's so huge. And then from that initial uh, phase of launch, you went from volunteer to, what was your uh, for initial title again? I think operations. Operations uh, to now yeah. managing director. So you've really seen the hub go from an idea to that initial space to now full-fledged like 11,000 square feet, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and soon to be more. Soon yeah, to be more. We're currently expanding to an additional floor, yeah. From a, a, a small, like a smaller membership to now 300 members. So you've really grown this organization in so many ways. Um, what are some of your key learnings over that time that you could share with our audience? Oh my gosh, so many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the first is, I mean, definitely in terms of, which I think equates a lot to female leadership, is is believing in yourself and remembering that um, a lot of the time uh, the, I guess, assumptions that we put on are are self-inflicted. And I think definitely when I was starting out, I questioned my ability. I, um, you know, questioned, was I too young? I was 25 when I took on the role of managing director and I was like, is anybody going to take me seriously? Um, And then just realizing those were all self-inflicted. They were my own, um, 
my own fears. Um, and so, I mean, it can be difficult to push past those, but as much as possible, realizing those are self-inflicted and not actually the impressions probably that people are receiving. Nobody knew my age. They weren't, they were perceiving me through my experience with the hub and I did actually have the most experience at that time because I'd been with it since the beginning. Um, so checking those for sure. Also, um, get creative as much as possible. It's really easy to fall into, um, the, traditional way of we think of doing things. And especially when we're in the space of social innovation, social entrepreneurship, um, continually challenging yourself to think differently about how you could tackle a problem um, can be really um, helpful to actually test your assumptions and just name out, okay, what am I assuming in this scenario and this problem? And maybe I can just brainstorm alternatives to that assumption because it doesn't need to be fact. And we can, um, I think, do things differently than the traditional norms of business that we've seen for many decades. <laughs> um, so yeah, keep pushing the boundaries. Fantastic. When we look at the Impact Hub, like from its inception, it was pushing boundaries. I'm wondering more on the nitty gritty side of it. Um, share a little bit about how the business is structured uh, because it is, an, it is impact driven. A lot of the times people get confused in this mix between nonprofit or for-profit enterprise. Um, where does Impact Hub lay on that spectrum? And then that can help us dive into more of, of the offerings that Impact Hub gives as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'd identify ourselves as a social enterprise. Um, and social enterprises are businesses or organizations using business practices um, and the market to generate income through products or services, um, to intentionally address a societal issue. So the main reason they're in business is to solve a problem, a societal issue, um, address something environmentally or socially. Um, it is not defined by their legal structure. Um, although that's a gray area. There are some organizations and some people that do define a social enterprise as a certain legal structure, but currently in Canada, um, for the most part, we don't have a new legal structure to identify a social enterprise, which is just really a combination of what we traditionally seen a for-profit and a non-for-profit. Um, BC has created a separate legal structure for that, and some other countries have, um, but um, the province of Ontario, as well as Canada, agree with this definition definition that it isn't defined by legal structure. Um, and they also can range in how much that earned revenue is as part of their whole business model from 100% to like 5, 10%. Um, and some people will also define a social enterprise that it needs to be like a minimum threshold of um, their percentage of revenue. Um, but we're kind of open to that as well. Um, so Hub is in that space where we have a, a combination business model um, where we do sell memberships where people gain access to our services and our programs. Um, so we have earned revenue from the membership, the space rentals, um, sometimes events. Um, and then we have our program that's also funded through grants and partnerships um, that then allow us to do further entrepreneurial supports to develop social enterprises. Um, so that's kind of our combination and different tiers of how the business model works. The reason I asked that was because a lot of the time, in my experience uh, now with private sector entities, they resist the grant process and the application for external funding process that's not necessarily VC or investors specifically. So could you share a little bit about this, about the access to grants for for-profit entities and how that's helped you guys in growing as a business? 
Right. So it is um, still very limited for for profit businesses to gain access to grants and other funding resources. So ourselves as Impact Hub Ottawa, we actually started out as a for profit. Um, and in Ontario and just our city, it wasn't going to work long term for our business models. So we actually reincorporated as a not for profit. Um, so that is how we have access to more um, grants and funding. And then there are also other distinguishers that, you know, some people only fund charities and that can become an additional um, limitation. But um, I mean, I think it's good to have a, you don't want to rely too heavily on grants and funds, that type of thing. But then also there's certain things that we wouldn't be able to do to be accessible. We wouldn't be able to provide our entrepreneurial supports at zero cost for our entrepreneurs, um, which do see a very diverse um, and just it makes it more accessible to more individuals to be able to participate. Um, and there's, yeah, there's just different things. And I think a combination of all of these assets is, is, is valuable. And so now we take it to the members. I would love to hear about some of your favorite growth stories from the hub that you've sort of watched these businesses grow over the last few years um, or since you've been with the hub that you'd love to share our profile stories about your members. Oh my God, there's so many. Um, <laughs> um, and there's been so many over over the years. Um, but I mean, one that was just got to see his face uh, as I left the hub is um, one of our members uh, is called Timzel, and they're a, a tech platform that is supporting people to create uh, healthy habits and support mental health. Um, and the individual that created that organization, Quace Thomas, um, actually started with us like four or five years ago um, when we ran a leadership uh, program at, out of Carleton University. Um, and he had just had this idea at that time. Um, he actually struggled with bipolar disorder himself and seeing that, you know, building consistent habits and having a buddy system was really helpful for him um, to get through. Um, and so he's creating this whole platform by which to support other individuals to do that. Um, and we've now seen that idea grow. Um, he now has, you know, funding support. He's developing this platform, has um, partners, is actually moving in um, more on a full-time basis through our expansion um, next month. And so to see him go through that growth, he, he started with uh, the Born Social Program, a leadership development program, then went through Impact Academy, which is an early stage social enterprise development program, and is now like fully launching, looking for investors, already has some um, it's been really exciting to see that that grow. Um, we've also had you know stories of members that have connected at the hub, then became partners in growing um, a business together. Like the Ottawa Tool Library was two members that met at the hub and were just jamming on this issue, and they're like, "Let's do something about it," <laughs> and, and opened something up. Um, and then there's also just been the really small connections of um, individuals saying that having a space and community that they can come to. Um, allowed them to continue their project, that nobody else believed in them. Um, and having a community of supportive individuals um, allowed them to continue and to grow. Um, yeah. Wow. I remember just the energy of the hub and other hubs that I've had the opportunity to be to be at. And there's just such a vibe in the space in terms of the excitement that the entrepreneurs have around the products that they're creating or the businesses that they're launching. But you also know that there's so much soul and um, social thought behind the businesses that are being built because they are mostly social enterprises. So you mentioned a few of the resources that the Hub Ottawa offers in the first example you gave. Could you share a little bit more about the programs that are there for entrepreneurs when they are in the space? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the first way is through membership. 
um, through membership, members get access to um, our uh, array of programs and services, including <laughs> drop-in consulting services to support their um business growth, whether that be from, you know, a speaking coach to financials or um, just business development. Um, we also have ongoing just learning opportunities for members to learn from members, um, which is both an opportunity for people to highlight what they're working on with the community, as well as them for, for them to learn from others. We have weekly networking events and opportunities for you to expand your professional network or maybe personal <laughs> as well. Um, and then we also have an online platform for members to connect both locally and globally. Um, as mentioned, Impact Hub is part of a global network of 100 Impact Hubs around the world. So you have the benefit of if you are traveling, visiting those other locations or meeting with those people online as well. Um, and then if you do go for the co-working options, we have a physical space downtown Ottawa um, where you can uh, use as your office. We have meeting rooms um, for rent as well as event space, workshop rooms, um, those types of things. And then we do have also um, what I call more of our formal programming, um, which are more cohort-based or through an established period of time to help support you and grow your idea. So one of those programs is Impact Academy, which is an early stage um, social enterprise development program. Um, so that happens about once a year that we're able to offer that. Um, and then we also have done different opportunities or engagements, just looking at specific issues and tackling those. So um, early last year, we did an event on future cities and developed civic leadership within um, youth leaders. We've done events on, you know, brainstorming solutions to waste management in our city. Um, so you can always find us around the city as well doing ongoing um, events and workshops. Wonderful. So if we were to take it from sort of the micro local level to the larger national conversation around social entrepreneurship and innovation, Canada uh, is an interesting in an interesting position in the social innovation space. I, I find um, we get to be a leader in a lot of fronts, but also we're learning a lot from countries globally. And you have global experience with your uh, in engagement with the BMW Foundation. So where do, where do you position Canada in terms of the global conversation around social innovation and social impact? And where do you think we can become even further leaders in this space? It's mm, a good question. Um, yeah, to, right now is a really exciting period of time because there's so much happening. Um, the government of Canada put together a strategic task force that created a social innovation social finance strategy just last year. Um, they also announced a fund of like $755 million over the next 10 years for a social innovation fund. It's still being defined what that will be, um, but there's definitely um, action from the government, which I hope will stay even if there's an election, but um, <laughs> they're... I think we're taking action at a national level to say this is of interest, and there's both economic, social, and environmental positives for us to engage and to grow and support these types of businesses in our economy. Um, I think where we stand internationally, maybe in a medium, I think we can still push ourselves further. There's more that we can do. Um, it's also exciting right now because um, there's also uh, been seen widespread kind of greater interest in United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, um, which the government of Canada has also established kind of that they're taking a, a larger stance on creating a uh, uh, a unit that will address the sustainable development goals um, and match our progress there. Um, and so the, there's so much synergy between what the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals are aiming to do and what social innovation can do. And, and bringing these assets together um, is an exciting period of time. I do think um, we could take some bold stances as a country and progress ourselves further. Um, 
and in some of those ways is through um, the barriers that we've created through legal structures and for taxation reasons. Um, and I think that's an area that the government of Canada could take a um, progressive role um, to explore new options about why we continue to define businesses by these um, norms that are continuing to hold us back, I think, from our full potential. I would love to go back a little bit to your personal experience in your journey. Um, obviously, going from straight from school into this social enterprise space uh, as director of operations and then becoming a managing director, what did you personally do to fill that knowledge gap uh, and build yourself up along the way? You shared a lot of how we can get in our own way as entrepreneurs and, and as female entrepreneurs, a lot of the time are female leaders where we can just kind of feel small in ourselves. What did you tangibly do to fill those gaps for yourself as you continued to move forward every day? Um, surround yourself by amazing people. Um, always be open to feedback. Um, and don't take those personally, but <laughs> take them as opportunities to grow. Um, and yeah, I think for me personally, it was a lot of the people that surrounded me and that believed in me and that told me to like, like they were literally like, you need to go out for this. It was a, it was me stepping up into the role. Mm. Um, our, our past executive director was leaving and it was a question of, you know, what are we going to do now? And the board just kind of like looked at our team and I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> and I don't know if I, if I didn't say I'll do it, if I would be in the, the position I am. That takes so much courage, Katie, like to have put your hand up at that moment, but to also feel so supported by your own knowledge base and to know that you were ready for that. Um, I think that that's so admirable. Yeah, and I think just remembering also the, to reduce the pressure on yourself. We can be really hard on ourselves, but um, remembering that at the end of the day, like, you'll survive and, you know, you know, a business may die and, and hopefully that's not the case, but you'll learn something from it and kind of releasing some of that pressure of failure of these are learning opportunities to continue to grow. Yeah, and I feel like the mission of Impact Hub Ottawa being so embedded in the futures of so many different businesses, your daily motivation is just right there in front of you. Completely. And uh, with when you mentioned the sustainable development goals, how have you seen um, businesses in the social enterprise space working to meet those goals, uh, staying local with their impact, but having this global impact with helping meet the sustainable development goals? Yeah, for sure. So for those who may not know, because I think recent research found that like 13% of Canadians know what the, the SDGs are. Uh, um, the educate e us. <laughs> <laughs> the So the SDGs, uh, sometimes referred to as the SDGs, are the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals that were adopted by world leaders in 2015. 2015, as part of the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development. They make up a framework of 17 goals that are basically a vision for what we could have as a future possibility for both people and Earth. Um, these goals are things like no poverty, gender equality, reducing inequalities, clean energy, sustainable cities. Um, and they're very integrated. And through a framework of the 17 goals, 169 targets, and 230 indicators, I think they're really providing us a framework by which we can we can tackle these very large um, systemic issues. Um, so what, what 
they really provide, I think, for the social innovation sector, for social enterprises, is first this um, common language by which to communicate how we're trying to create framework. And what's been exciting, I think, about the SDGs is that we've seen greater adoption of them than the previous millennium goals across diverse sectors. Um, although they are called the sustainable development goals, it's no longer seen as uh, just an international development issue. Um, this is really uh, the goals uh, and the targets and the indicators are something that all countries and individuals have a responsibility to. Um, so we're seeing greater adoption across sectors, which is really exciting because it's not just the responsibility of government or the, the public sector to try to address these issues. Um, and through this common approach and communications tool, I think people are finding greater alignment with each other, um, which is exciting to find opportunities to collaborate and realize, oh, you're working on this goal, I'm working on this goal. How are we each addressing a different piece of this issue and how can we come together. And there are also an opportunity for a framework and there's research being done and how that can be done, but a framework for a common framework for impact measurement. Um, and so this is something that's unique to a social enterprise is you're not just measuring your financial outcomes, but as well as your social and environmental impacts. Um, and it can be a difficult thing to do, but the SDGs can provide us a framework by which to do that as individual organizations, but as well as um, an exciting opportunity if we all get on board, um, what it looks like to better understand our issues with a shared framework all the way from an individual organization to municipal government to national and then international. Um, so it gives us like a shared action plan to know the improvements that we can collectively make, especially for those of us in entrepreneurship who are more socially minded, impact minded, thinking of our legacies. The SDGs are giving us a way to tangibly say, that's the one I want to impact or the multiple ones that I want to make an impact on. Is that something that you're seeing with the entrepreneurs at Impact Hub that they're feeling aligned with an SDG or, or some of them with the work that they're doing and they're finding that motivation through this yes global and no. Impact? I think yes, there's a, a shared um there's an immediate, I think, connection to the goals of like, yes, this this is what I'm trying to do. Um and as mentioned, there's great um interconnectedness of all the goals and seeing how they do connect to one another. And you can't isolate zero poverty from gender equality or you know, et cetera. Um, but I think there is more work to be done to really see how they can be embedded um, and integrated um, at all levels. I think we're just kind of at the surface level of, of what we can do next with the SDGs. Um, other countries have nationalized the goal, which I think is a great first step, which I believe the government of Canada will be doing um, to I mean, it can be overwhelming when you look at 160 indicators and two, <laughs> or targets and, and 230 indicators. Um, and so narrowing down that down and actually coming up with, there's this global vision, what is our role as a nation in that? And I think um, getting to that next step will help us to further integrate and embed them into our work. So for those who aren't necessarily in Ottawa, who can't be served directly by Impact Hub and the resources that you provide as they're starting up their businesses, what would you recommend for them to look for in their cities as ways to feel more connected to community, have good access to resources to get their, to put their best foot forward as they're, as they're starting out? Yeah, so there is a lot of resources available now, both at the local level to online tools that are available for um, 
organizations to grow. Here in Ottawa, through Impact Hub Ottawa, we've recently launched a platform called Business for Good, um, which serves Eastern Ontario um, to um, support entrepreneurs in finding the resources that are available um, from training to funding um, to additional services. Um, and you can... There are other localized versions of these platforms. Um, for example, in Montreal, um, Maison d'Innovation Sociale has a platform called Tangram that can also connect you to resources. Um, the Center for Social Innovation in Toronto has a platform called Socient. Um, and Mars is a great resource as well in Toronto. Um, and then there's also some um, national platforms like uh, the Social Enterprise Institute, which provides online training and resources specifically for social enterprises, um, as well as Social Innovation Canada, um, which is trying to map up all those previous tools that I just mentioned. <laughs> you can't remember all of them. Um, that last one was Social Innovation it, Canada. Social Innovation Canada. So they look to aggregate sort of what is in the ecosystem for people to find in one place. Exactly. Yeah, I think it's SICanada.something. Dot something. <laughs> S- you guys can Google it, audience, who is so brilliant. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for sharing all of that. Uh, uh, what's your hope for the future of social impact and social enterprise in Canada? Ooh, big question. Big questions. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, I hope it becomes more of the norm. I hope we can break down our current assumptions of what we can do. Um, I think there's still a very ingrained mindset that you cannot make money if you want to do good. Um, and there's so many limitations to that statement um, that we really need to to break down. These are they're as, they're just assumptions that we've generated and over time really embedded into our entire you know like economic structure of how we think um, things should be. And um, it's constant mindset to um, break down those barriers and really challenge it. It's like, well, why should someone make shit tons of money for doing awful things to our world. And why is that our shared assumption that that's what's okay. acceptable? Um, so I hope this can become a norm. I hope it doesn't have to be um, actually the social innovation strategy would actually be our innovation strategy for Canada, that it's embedded into our overall strategy and goals and not a side strategy um, because it is so integral. Um, and I hope uh, as citizens, we take more individual responsibility for our roles. I think um, largely, globally, we're pretty um, disconnected right now to the individual impact that we make. And um, no matter what, we're going to leave an impact on this world. And it's really about whether you want to care if it's a more positive one or negative one. And um, we can each take steps in so many ways to improve that and, you know, continuing to just ignore that is, I don't think, any longer acceptable. We've run out of time. And I think we're seeing that in the habits of consumers and where they're putting their dollars. And we had uh, BDC on talking about B Corp certification in Canada and how I think that's actually a differentiator that a lot of businesses use because there isn't the tax differentiator in Canada. That B Corp status is something that's um, invaluable, I think. Um, Can you share a little bit about B Corp and how the Impact Hub enables B Corps in its space and and enables that that certification. And maybe for those who haven't listened to the BDC podcast to share a little bit of what B Corp certification is. 
Yeah, so uh, B Corp certification is a, a pro- process specifically for for-profit businesses um, to identify and verify their commitment to social and environmental outcomes. So separate to like a social enterprise where the reason for being in business is to solve a societal issue, that may not be the case for a B Corp, but they're um, showing a certain level of commitment. It's kind of like, you know, like fair trade chocolate to standardification for a business, <laughs> to any business, not just not just chocolate. Um, and so... Uh, there's a lot of businesses that have adopted this, including Ben and, like ben and Jerry's was one of the first. I think they, part of their founders actually helped create it. Um, Patagonia in Canada. Um, we have the Business Development Bank of Canada is a, uh, is a B Corp, as well as locally Bowes Brewery. Um, so they really range in size and um, they um, have a great actually assessment tool for any business to consider all the ways that they have an impact. Because sometimes we think, you know, I'm a service business. I, there's nothing I can do if I'm like a consultant. Um, and it, uh, they have a free resource called an impact assessment tool um, that takes you through kind of questions to really think about that. Because as any business, there's um, ways that you can make improvements. And um, those cover the categories from environment to your workers, your community, your governance, and your customers. Um, so we're really considering all of those um, is important for any business. And how we've uh, worked with B Corps, I mean, some of our members are B Corps within the Impact Hub Global Network. Um, some of the Impact Hubs are B Corps as well, because we all kind of figure out the best model within our local um, ecosystems in the way that we should be legally structured. Um, and so we've worked with BDC in the past to promote B Corps, promote local B Corps, um, provide more uh, community awareness so that when they're shopping, when they're consuming, they can know uh, what that designation actually means. Um, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And for those of you who are listening, now you can keep an eye out and see how many businesses that you're engaging with are B Corp certified. Um, and with Ben and Jerry's too, I think they just put out this biodegradable material. that's going to be their cartons from now on, which I think is a big part of like the sustainability aspect of their company. So B Corps are doing some really innovative stuff, even if they're large, massive companies um, from this, like you said, service-based all the way up. So my next question for you is, um, we ask this of all of our guests, but what would you provide as like one piece of information for women entrepreneurs to thrive in their careers and in their lives, in their businesses? Yeah, I mean, I think one I mentioned earlier, which is, um, I mean, challenge ourselves, really think more creatively about how we can um, tackle issues, the the assumptions that we're making, and and being more creative about alternatives to those. Um, start with yourself in terms of if you're looking to make a difference. Amazing. So my final question for you uh, is a little bit unrelated to what we've been chatting about, but I noticed, uh, or I just know that you sit on boards of various organizations and that uh, representation of women on boards is something that we're trying to move further and further towards in the private sector to have greater diversity and representation. So do you have any advice for women who may feel qualified um, or may not be sure if they're qualified to sit on a board and participate at that level um, and share a little bit about your experience sitting on boards. Ooh. Yeah, so I've had the chance to sit on um, a few boards now and still still do, um, um, starting with uh, what was the uh, Eco Eco District. Yeah, Ottawa Eco District. Um, now sitting on Just Change Ottawa Board and then our global board for the Impact Hub uh, Association. 
And again, I think it's just a matter of putting yourself out there, um, letting people know that you're open to that opportunity. Um, a lot of boards won't do public calls. Um, it is kind of like who they know. Um, so if you're interested in an organization, reaching out to them, um, learning more about their work, maybe perhaps engaging in another manner, um, they can be really great opportunities to um, both ex- to give back, but as also to um, develop your own skills. Um, I find, you know, sitting on the global board that I do, it's so um which I also think is amazing and exciting that the global board for Impact Hub is completely women. Wow. Um, so it has a global CEO for Impact Hub company as well as a global board. And um, there's such empowering women to be uh, surrounded by and, um, yeah, both an opportunity to give and to receive. So if, if you think that sitting on a board is kind of, you know, time consuming and it's just a suck, they're just going to take from you. It really is such a rewarding um, opportunity as well. Fantastic. What role has mentorship played in your career? Uh, Have you had strong mentors who have supported you through the years? Um, As you shared about the board, it just made me think like, wow, it must be incredible to go to those gatherings when you all come together. And you can't help but just feel like you've learned so much, but also you're so inspired for what's next. Um, So it made me wonder about mentorship in your career. Yeah, I think we were actually just reflecting on this Monday as a team and like who are our formal mentors are. And I think sometimes we we get stuck on the formality of the term mentorship. Um, and, I, and so I haven't had many like formal mentors. It can be a very structured relationship and kind of a bit of a power dynamic in, it, in itself. Um, but I have been really lucky to be um, surrounded by either, you know, people that I've worked with that have been very supportive of my own growth and development um, and pushing me to continue to push on my skills. Um, Our board for Impact Hub Ottawa is such a supportive and incredible board, honestly. Um, I heard sometimes of other people's board and their investors, and I just get so thankful and grateful (laughs) for the situation that we're in. Um, It also includes female leadership that I can um, learn from. Tracy Clark uh, of Bridgehead, um, CEO of Bridgehead, is one of our board members and has been for a long time. Um, And the amount I can learn from her is just, uh, is incredible. But they they do it in such a supportive way. Um, And so I think that's really important for everyone to find those people and surround yourself by them. This, the concept of the board structure um, for startups is really important to have mm-hmm. sort of this advisory board for you to go to. Um, when you look at your board, what are you most grateful for uh, in terms of having them? And how did you guys choose and structure your board in a way that supported the business? I agree. It's a very essential thing. I can think it, it can be the, the make or break of an organization when there is an alignment between um, founders and board members and investors. Um, and some, and sometimes that dissolvement can really be the dissolvement of the entire organization. Um, so really, I think traditionally we look at boards as um, we need a legal person, we need an accountant, we need, you know, these very technical skills. And I think where we started from was um, – do they believe in our vision and our mission? And are we on the same page about that? And then what are the skills that would be really helpful? And so we started as a very small board. So when Impact Hub started, it was 
three board members, which I think is also very positive. Traditionally, we look at boards as being um, kind of like an advertisement of like, look who I have on my board. Um, and then we get people that aren't necessarily commit committed and actually going to be f- for you when you need to make like when you need support and you need to make a phone call. Um, not to say that's always the case, but I think having a really small, intimate board was really supportive for us as well. Um, and those individuals, um, we wanted to push the boundaries of what we thought business could do. We wanted to do it differently. Um, and so we found people that were doing that, like Bridgehead, <laughs> like was competing with Second Cup and, you know, Starbucks, traditional business with a fair trade um, model. Um and our, you know, our other board members, likewise, were doing things differently. And so um, we, we, we brought in for those skills instead of your, um, we found, you know, an accountant and an auditor to do those, those like things, they still had the financial skills things. they could contribute, but we didn't need that on our board. We wanted a sounding board, someone to people to challenge us um, so that we didn't get stuck in, you know, in ruts. Um, and yeah. And establishing what you want that relationship to be from the get-go, I think, is is really important. Do you want it to be a more operational, engaged board? Do you want it to be more of an advisory board so everybody has shared understanding of kind of where you're going together? Wonderful. Um, another question about your team specifically. When you're managing a team of, I believe there's there's five members of your team if, or if I'm not mistaken, um, and building a culture uh, for a company over seven years, how have you intentionally um, led your team? What have they responded well to? What What are you most proud of yourself as a leader of these individuals who are helping build this community? Yeah, I think I'm still learning. <laughs> Management is tough. Yes. Um, all individuals are different and need different things to be able to, to grow and to do their best work. But I think one thing I hold really um, strong that I was always been intentional about is um, never letting go of the essentials and the importance of our main work. Um, so at Impact Hub, it really identifies us from any other space is our culture of hosting of saying hello to people when they come in and really intentionally learning about what they're working on, passionate about, to be able to facilitate those connections. Um, A lot of other spaces aren't hosted. Um, There's kind of an assumption that if you build the space, people will come in and the rest will happen. Um, But that culture of hosting is really, really essential to us and the core of what differentiates us and our greatest value. I believe. Um, And so I've never let go of that responsibility. I believe it should be a shared responsibility amongst our whole team. Um, I I don't think it would be true to building our culture if I spent, you know, 90% of my time not in the space, not talking to members. It's it's a shared responsibility. So modeling that um, and accepting and and showing that you care that there's value in that, that primary work that we do. Wonderful. Um, All right, Katie. So my final question for you is what advice do you have? Like what is your most important piece of advice for women entrepreneurs to thrive in their careers and their lives? Yeah, big question. Um, So I think, I mean, one is definitely um, we need, I think we need to to challenge ourselves to think about, um, our assumptions and norms differently. Um, so get really creative about how we can um, 
tackle problems, um, how we can lead differently, um, being okay that we lead differently. We don't need to replicate. Um, I find it helpful, like in terms of like tackling problems to think about all the assumptions that I'm making when I'm receiving a, you know, I think that there's only one outcome and I'm not happy with it. What, well, what are all the assumptions I'm making in that decision? And then map out alternatives because, um, we can, we can do different. I think we can do, and we can do, um, a lot better. I think there's such strength in female leadership, um, I think we have a maternal instinct that would be really positive and more leadership. So you just need to get out there. Um, challenge yourself to step up, even when you feel uncomfortable. Um, and surround yourself by amazing people. So, you know, in case it doesn't work out, you got, <laughs> you got a soft spot to land. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here, Katie. It's been a pleasure to watch the last seven years of your career unfold, but also to see what you've been able to help build the Impact Hub up to with the team and the board um, and the lasting and positive impact it's having in the Ottawa community and beyond. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on the Thrive Podcast, where we help women entrepreneurs start and build thriving businesses. Thank you to the Startup Canada production team, BDC and Scotiabank for helping us elevate women entrepreneurs. Visit startupcan.ca forward slash women to download the playbook resources for women entrepreneurs with a comprehensive list of support for you and your business. And visit startupcan.ca for the latest episodes of the Startup Canada podcast hosted by Rivers Corbett. Make sure to visit CoreSpace, K-A-U-R dot space to learn to better integrate work, wellness and impact into your everyday life. Until next time, I'm Gomal Minhas. It's time to thrive.